Macho Man, I'm going to ask everybody in here, did I go under the bottom or not? I, think it's pretty I don't think that's going to stand up in court. Did you see it? Yes, as a matter of fact, I did. you see? Now what do you got to say, Macho Man? I can't get involved in this, Randy Savage. You should be basking right now in your victory here tonight. Bottom line, this is my dream. I told you that when I came into the WCW. Now, if there's a dark cloud over that, that's not cool. That's not what I'm all about. Well, let me tell you something, brother. There's a dark cloud over that because you didn't go over the top rope and I didn't go over the top rope. Well, I would have to concur with the comments of both men. Yes, a cloud of controversy. I gotta see the film. You want to see the videotape? I get to see the film. Try tomorrow night on Monday Nitro. controversy between Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, the individuals, and they will be here tonight face to face. What do you think about the new World Heavyweight Champion? Well, there's a lot of controversy there. Savage thinks he's the world champion. He's got the title. Welcome to Where the Big Boys Play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro. As you can tell from that introduction, we have a shit ton of stuff to go over today. 
We've got our recap of World War III and all the fallout that occurs from that. Want to let you know before we dig in too deep to anything that you are listening to our week-by-week breakdown of WCW's flagship show where each episode is reviewed on the 20th anniversary of its airing. Today is November 27th, 1995, and we are coming to you from Salem, Virginia in front of 5,000 fans, 3,000 of whom paid for a gate of $27,000. I am your host, Tim Root, as always, with you alongside my broadcast partner, Dave Amantorp. Dave, how are you this week? Doing good, but it's unfortunate we have such a, a dark cloud of controversy. Oh, there's so much controversy. <laughs> when are we going to talk about the controversy? <laughs> well, not before I mention that you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 20 years of nitro on Twitter at 20 years of nitro. You can email the show at 20 years of nitro at gmail.com. And we are a proud part of the Old School Wrestling Podcast Network, and you can listen to our episodes on the network section of PileDriverWrestling.net. With that out of the way, let's run through our World War III results. Johnny B. Bad retained his television title and won the services of the Diamond Doll against Diamond Dallas Page. This was Johnny B. Bad's third straight time opening a WCW pay-per-view that we have watched. And it's always nice when a match uh, results in ownership of a woman. Right. Although, uh, just to clarify, lest anyone think that Johnny B. Bad is not a good guy, I believe there's a promo later in the pay-per-view where he offers the doll her freedom. Right. And she chooses to stay with him. <laughs> oh, what a, what a chivalrous guy. <laughs> Big Bubba Rogers defeated Hacksaw Jim Duggan in their taped fist match. Ooh, five-star classic. <laughs> Bull Nakano and Akira Hakuto defeated Mayumi Ozaki and Kyuji Suzuki. And if any of that sounds confusing to you, we will clarify that later on in today's show. The United States champion Kensuke Sasaki successfully defended uh, his title against Chris Benoit. During that particular match, we learned that the Japanese have lost their 50% ownership of WCW Pro but there is some kind of vague settlement in which they will be participating in some capacity at Starcade come December. Uh, that's not exactly fleshed out how that's all going to happen, but that storyline is progressing. 50% ownership of pro. <laughs> Lex Luger defeated Randy Macho Man Savage. Sting defeated Ric Flair. A uh, couple things to note about those matches. Lex Luger had a hold on Macho at the end of their match that he wouldn't let go until Sting came and talked to him. Mm-hmm. Shades of what happened the opposite way a couple weeks ago. And, and also, uh, um, that, that's one of the earlier matches I can think of in which it was a referee stoppage. Right, yep. Sting also defeated Ric Flair uh, this evening. And kind of notable about that, he had promised that if he got Flair in the Scorpion Deathlock again, he would never let go, even if Lex came out. But he lets go pretty much right away. (laughs) So I think the story they're trying to tell here is that Sting flirted a little bit with being a heel in not letting go of the hold before. Uh But this is sort of the sign that, no, Sting is definitely a pure white meat baby face. Don't worry about him dabbling in the dark side like we've seen with uh, Hulk Hogan. In our main event, we saw Randy Macho Man Savage defeat Scott Armstrong, Steve Armstrong, Arn Anderson, Johnny B. Bad, Marcus Bagwell, Chris Benoit, Big Train Bart, Bunkhouse Buck, Cobra, Disco Inferno, Jim Duggan, Bobby Eaton, Ric Flair, The Giant, Eddie Guerrero, Mr. JL, Chris Canyon, Brian Nobbs, Kurosawa, Lex Luger, Joey Maggs, Meng, Hugh Morris, Max Muscle, Scott Norton, One Man Gang, 
Paul Orndorff, Diamond Dials Page, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, Brian Pillman, Sergeant Craig Pittman, Lord Stephen Regal, Scotty Riggs, Road Warrior Hawk, Mark Starr, Stevie Ray, Sting, Dave Sullivan, The Taskmaster, Super Assassin Number 1, Super Assassin Number 2, Booker T, Squire David Taylor, Bobby Walker, VK Wall Street, Pez Watley, Mike Winner, Alex Wright, James Earl Wright, The Yeti, The Zodiac, and Hulk Hogan in a 60-man battle royal to win the WCW Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> well done. I didn't, I didn't expect you to do that. <laughs> but once you got going, I wasn't going to interrupt. Hulk, as you may have heard in that opening audio clip, was actually pulled under the bottom rope by the giant. But the ref uh, did not see this and considered him eliminated and de- uh, declared Macho Man the winner of the match and thus the WCW champion. Hulk Hogan completely destroys what should be Randy's crowning moment in WCW right. by whining like a little fucking asshole about how he's been robbed. <laughs> right. I get that you're upset you weren't eliminated, but your supposed best friend was just declared champion. Yeah. And you, you've you been champion since like about a year ago. Just fucking roll with it and yeah. let him be happy, you asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh I, I didn't remember this until when I recently watched. It seemed like no matter which of those two guys won, the fans weren't happy about it. Right, yeah. Uh, it seems they were a little more on Hogan's side. I mean, they definitely were unhappy about Macho. Yeah. They're not super behind Hogan, but yeah, I, I would definitely agree that the crowd that was present for World War Three was not thrilled with the outcome. I want to note another uh, important thing about that match. The Yeti is now wearing a ninja costume. He basically <laughs> looks like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Uh, he is not, when he's introduced, he's not introduced as a member of the Dungeon of Doom as others who are in, in the stable are. So I'm not sure if he's officially out or what the status is or if uh-huh. that was just an oversight by uh, Bruce Buffer or Michael Buffer or, whoever, or Dave Penzer or whoever was announcing that. Um, but he also is the first person eliminated from the match, <laughs> which the announcers completely miss. Because the whole thing is a clusterfuck of three different rings with 20 men apiece and three different announced teams. Mm -hmm. It is unwatchable. Do not go watch World War III. It is is a a sweaty, hot mess of guys in the ring. It's everyone by the end. Everyone looks disgusting. Yes, Hogan Uh, looks sweatier than maybe I've ever seen him. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, the only thing you can really do to get entertainment from it is if you see someone get eliminated, to see how long it takes for an announcer to bring it up. (laughs) Um, I I I I guess I can see like what the it was a new concept, so they wanted to try something new. But it is. It's it's not having three rings that instantaneously need coverage. It's not a filmable event. Absolutely. Also of note on the pay-per-view was a bizarre opening segment that revealed that Hulk Hogan is now back in the red and yellow. Mm-hmm. He unveils this by taking off some of his black clothes, which he then attempts to burn in like a fire pit that they've erected on the stage. However, the shirt kind of lands half in and half out of the fire pit and very nearly starts a major fire. (laughs) As he, Sting, and Macho Man are giving a uh, promo, Macho Man and Sting are clearly distracted by the growing flames at their feet. (laughs) And at one point, a stagehand literally hands Sting a, like, 20-ounce bottle of water that he uselessly pours on this fire. (laughs) Well, meanwhile, while while this is going on, Hogan takes a good three minutes of a pay-per-view 
to insult the wrestling observer. He holds up a little newsletter and he says, observe this. This is what we call a rag sheet. Yeah. And then he talks about how dumb it is because it says that the giant is going to win when he's not, which, uh, thanks, kind of spoiler alert, dude, because yeah. that actually, like, by you saying that makes me pretty sure as an audience member he's not winning. Right. He also then weirdly claims that Macho Man's arm is not injured, and that was just some kind of swerve that he and Macho were doing on the dirt sheets. However, Macho Man is legitimately injured, <laughs> and they continue to reference the injury Throughout uh, Nitro the next night, the episode that we're going to cover right now, they reference his injury constantly. So I don't know what the fuck this was meant to accomplish, uh, but it just shows Hogan is a very petty, weird individual. Yeah. Anyway, uh, not to drone on too much about the pay-per-view because we are a Nitro-focused podcast. So suffice it to say that the pay-per-view end a or the pay-per-view earned a 0.45 buy rate, which is pretty similar to their pre-Hogan numbers which is pretty bad considering that Hogan gets a big chunk of all pay-per-view revenue on shows that he appears on. Right. Um, but it is not hugely off from the .57 uh, buy rate that WWF got for Survivor Series a week before. And Survivor Series is a much bigger name event than World War Three. Yeah. So uh, they're at least staying competitive um, with WWF. I suppose that's something. Uh, quick question before we move on to Nitro. Yeah. Um, with the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Yeah. Did, did Dave Metzer have anything to say about that? He just finds it pretty funny, and he refutes Hogan's claims one by one. He says, uh, for one, Hogan says that the dirt sheet said that the Giant was going to win. Uh, Meltzer says that he... He points out specific dates where he said that it would either be the giant or Macho Man. Uh-huh. And so he was right. <laughs> right. Um, he points out, you know, that Macho's man arm is clearly injured. And he also says that uh, he had clearly stated weeks before, and we've mentioned that on the show when I've read those uh, issues, that Macho Man had elected not to get surgery and wasn't going to miss any time. Uh-huh. So this idea that it was somehow a swerve just isn't true. Macho Man was injured. It looked like he was going to get surgery. He elected not to. And the Wrestling Observer has been correct on each of those points as they've gone forward. Right. So Meltzer basically disproves everything Hogan says and then says that since this was all coming from Hogan, he takes it as a huge compliment. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so starting Nitro, Bischoff welcomes us to the show. And uh, shortly after he goes through his shtick of introducing the other announcers, Bobby Heenan clearly flicks off the camera in the guise of scratching his forehead. Yes. You uh, texted me uh, a screenshot of, you took of your TV of this moment last night, and I was so happy you caught it too, because when it happened, I rewound it and showed my wife, like, look what look what this fucker's doing. <laughs> right. We, we kind of speculated over text. My take is that this is an inside joke. He's either doing this to amuse himself or uh-huh. some of the boys in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any other thoughts? Is it... No, I mean, cause I, I think watching and knowing who Bobby Heenan is over the years, yeah, he could just think that that's a funny thing to do. Right. <laughs> so there could be, like, no malice behind it. It's yeah. just that if some of the guys see it and have a laugh, that's good enough for him. I like that a few weeks in a row now, uh, Pepe has a full introduction, like he's a member of the broadcast team. Yeah. Uh, usually, Bischoff will introduce Mongo and Brain, and then he'll say, and of course, Pepe. Yeah. And uh, I, that's just really comical to me. This week, Pepe is wearing animal print hat and coat. Uh, Mongo tells us, because the wrestlers here tonight are ready to eat some raw meat. <laughs> 
Oh, he's also, also. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, also, Bobby Heenan is holding a, a miniature Japanese flag too. Oh, that's true. He waves that throughout the show tonight. Yeah. Uh, Mongo, when he talks about the raw meat, is speaking to the wrong camera, which I just <laughs> think is funny since he's an Emmy award-winning broadcaster. Apparently. <laughs> right. We go to a little recap video of Hulk Hogan burning the black clothes last night. Yeah. And uh, so I guess no intern is bringing the footage this Nitro. They actually brought it with them from yeah. the pay-per-view last night. Yeah, and I, I I just thought it was interesting when they were doing that. They they clearly cut off the whole thing about the wrestling. Right. <laughs> yeah, because it's. Uh, I think Hogan must have just gone into business for himself and just decided to yell about it and I bet a lot of people were embarrassed about the. Yeah. I mean, for one thing, why dignify the dirt sheets at all? Yeah. Just don't mention them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That seems like the better move. Johnny B. Bad comes out with the Diamond Doll, who, as we mentioned, is uh, now his manager or girlfriend or property. I guess <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how those stipulations it, work. I, I feel like that property is probably the way that's going. <laughs> um, I also like the fact that she is holding a 10 plus card. Right. <laughs> Uh, Bischoff explains to the audience, uh, in case anyone missed World War III, that Johnny won him last night. Bobby references uh, people being turned away at the pay-per-view, which is technically correct. Uh, because the show sold so well, a lot of the free tickets that they'd given out, oh. people showed up with their coupons for their free ticket yeah. and were turned away. Okay. So it's true to say that people were turned away, but they were people you told they could get in free with a coupon. So they thought they had a t- essentially a ticket. <laughs> so they're probably fucking pissed off. And now they're more pissed off that you're referencing on TV like you're yeah. so impressive. <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page comes out with a uh, hangdog expression. He doesn't have his usual cocky stride and cigar that we've seen in weeks past. Yep. He's also carrying some flowers for the Diamond Doll. And he uses the distraction of handing her these flowers as a chance to deck uh, Johnny B. Bad right in the face. Um, and he's clearly they're, he's clearly carrying red roses. Yeah. Um, but Bobby Heenan calls him posies for the missus. <laughs> Uh, he dominates Johnny B. Bad, and Diamond Doll is shown smiling. And I'm caught between thinking that she's teasing a heel turn, mm-hmm. or thinking that she just doesn't. She's kind of dumb, and Kimberly Page doesn't really give a shit about wrestling, <laughs> and she's just not really thinking about it enough to worry about what yeah. expression is on her face. Um, I mean, the impression that the announcers are giving is that she is appearing conflicted, sure, at ringside, and maybe they caught her during like the pause because. Uh, since we've been doing the Nitro, and she's pretty much the only female. Other than Sherry. Other than Sherry. Up, yeah. and, and considering that there's a lot of, especially in like this generation, they'll just get a lot of pretty faces out there sure. that don't know how to react. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Diamond Doll does a good job of uh, knowing the context of what she's doing at ringside. It probably helps that she's real life married to Diamond Doll's page. Yeah. So she has some investment in what's going on beyond just her own paycheck. Yeah. Uh. This match, and this match is really about her because nearly the entire match is shot from ringside right. with her in the center of the ring and the action sort of taking place in the background behind her. Yeah. She is clearly the story that we are meant to follow here. Right. The, uh, the majority of this match, you can't really even catch what's going on. Uh, in the ring, Diamond Dallas Page is j- dominating Johnny B. Bad and... Uh, he hits this cool tilt-a-whirl rotating suplex thing, which probably is a really cool-sounding name that I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's cool, whatever it is. And uh, we see that the Diamond Doll find a chain that's been hidden, a small <laughs> length of, like, a bicycle chain yeah. that's hidden in the flowers that, <laughs> that Dallas gave her. 
And and Mongo thinks it's a bracelet. Right, <laughs> which I think is him stealing Bobby's line because Bobby then tries to use the excuse that it's a bracelet. Like, yeah. oh, he gave her a bracelet. Yeah. And I think either Mongo stole it or Mongo happened upon the same joke. And Brain <laughs> yes. must have been so pissed. Like, oh, here I had this great line. So he just uses the line anyway, even though it's been ruined now. Yeah, and and... and you can't see it, but it's clearly a chain. Right. It, there's nothing There's bracelet. no, no, it's gigantic. <laughs> Johnny B. Bad gets back into the match with a Hurricanrana, and DDP gets to his feet and starts asking Diamond Doll for the chain. She tosses it in the ring, and it goes between his legs where Johnny B. Bad catches it, and he punches DDP while the ref is just, I don't know, checking his watch or something <laughs> for the one, two, three. Um, so it's not really clear if... Diamond Doll was throwing the chain to DDP at his request. Yeah. Or if she was throwing it to Johnny Bad and it purposefully went through his legs. Yeah. And that and that's I, I, th- I believe that's the intention is to have that confusion. Right. Um, and even though it's like it sounds goofy, it, it, it came off really well, I thought. It did. I don't have a problem with it except for the fact that it's coming in the first night that Diamond Doll is accompanying oh, Johnny B. Bad. Sure. That is way too soon to rush her turning heel on him and a big breakup angle. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, but I do agree uh, that Kimberly page showed a real uh, skill in mm. throwing this perfectly between his legs and Johnny bad catching it. Yeah. It was, it was executed pretty much perfectly as far as the spot could go. Yeah. Um, we then we'll, I'll go to an audio clip here uh, to get Johnny bad and diamond dolls reaction after the match. So as you could hear there, uh, Johnny B. Bad initial reaction is to question what she was doing. And Kimberly's sole response is just to say, well, you won. <laughs> she doesn't attempt to say, well, I was throwing it to you. Yeah. And he's totally cool with this. He accepts <laughs> that explanation and is just happy that he's still TV champ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as soon as basically I spend this match complimenting the diamond doll as far as like knowing the proper reaction and everything. Yeah. But as soon as it comes to the point where she could just explain exactly what she was doing, it, it seems like she couldn't think of the reasoning and just went to like, well, you won. So why does it matter? Yeah, I agree. But I don't think that's on Kimberly page. I think this is what she was told to do. Sure. I think she was told to deflect the question by just celebrating the win. Mm-hmm. And I, I, to me, it's just poor writing rather than poor reacting by the performer. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I just think that in comparison to everything that was going on during the match, yeah. it seemed to go so well. The very end in their exchange just goes so poorly that it kind of overshadows everything that they were doing positive. Right. We get a commercial break, and as we come back, Bischoff uh, reminds us, according to him, that Hulk Hogan is taking on Hugh Morris this week, but I don't remember ever being told that before. (laughs) He also, uh, in talking a little bit about Macho Man and uh, Hogan's issues, says the word controversy about a thousand more times. (laughs) And he keeps trying to make this really fine distinction that I'm not sure I even understand, Mm -hmm. that the controversy is not about Macho Man being champion. Right. The controversy is just between Hogan and Macho Man. But that's not really controversy. That's... uh, A disagreement. Yeah, that's disagreement. (laughs) That's like tension. Yeah. It's not controversy. If I disagree with you or if I want your job and I feel it should be my job... 
that's not controversy between us. That's tension. Right. So the fact that they keep misusing the word and using it over and over and over again mm-hmm. just really starts. It's it's, it's like, like when you say any word over and over and over again, it stops having any and all actual meaning. Yeah, it's it's like they're trying to have it both ways. Uh, they, they want you to accept the fact that Macho Man Randy Savage is champion. Right. Like, don't question. He's a champion. Accept him as champion. However, there is this tension as a result of him winning the championship. Right. But it's okay. He's champion. It's like a way of trying to keep them both the top baby face. Macho Man is the champion and he deserves it. Yeah. But Hogan's whining like a little bitch about it. But he has every right to. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're they're trying to have it both ways, and you can't do that. It's just, it just makes it really confusing when they're explaining it. Right. After uh, Bischoff talks to us for a little bit, we go down to the aisle where Mean Gene is standing with uh, Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. Sullivan confronts Hart about how Hart uh, Hart's other client Lex Luger broke his hold on Randy Savage last night, as we mentioned in our recap of that show. Uh, Sullivan points out that had this not happened, Savage could have been injured and he wouldn't have participated. And perhaps the Dungeon of Doom, more specifically the Giant, could have won the championship last night. Yeah, he also suggests that uh, he just had to hold on for 10 more seconds. Right. That's like the perfect amount of time and his (laughs) arm would have broken or something like that. Jimmy Hart, uh, basically his only explanation is that Luger and Sting are friends and it's going to take more time for him and Sullivan to chip away at that. (laughs) And I would argue that it's presumably going to take longer now that he's said that live on television (laughs) on a show where the two people he's talking about appear regularly. (laughs) It also, it just, when we have Taskmaster and Jimmy Hart and Oakland by the stage, I feel like we see this every single week. Yeah. And, and they don't really add anything. Right. I mean, the, they're either talking about something that, that has already happened, we've already seen it, or they're trying to hype up something about the Giant and just don't do a good job at it. I would agree fully with that. Uh, Hart also tells uh, Sullivan that Luger and he have a plan for Sting. And that seems to mollify Sullivan. He's like, oh, well, you have a plan? Then I'm fine. Why are we even out here? And they just walk away. Right. Uh, mean Gene resists the urge to call them human garbage to their face this week. Because they know who they are. <laughs> After another commercial, we come back and uh, we're focused on a sign in the crowd that says, if your Monday morning blahs turn raw by Monday night, cure them both with nitro. And this sign is, like, the font is perfect and the spacing is perfect. And I am 100% convinced this sign was planted. (laughs) There is no way this rube made this sign himself. (laughs) You you are a nitro sign truther. (laughs) (laughs) Next, we get a rematch from last night between four stars of AJW, which is All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. Little backstory to this. In April of 1995, so seven months ago, more or less, in our timeline, WCW joined a contingent of wrestlers from New Japan Pro Wrestling on a trip to North Korea, which culminated in the largest wrestling event in world history, the Collision in Korea, a two-day affair which drew 140,000 fans on day one and 190,000 fans on day two. The full story of this trip is pretty incredible. I won't go into the whole thing since we're focused on uh, recapping Nitro. Yeah. But you can read about it on in Bischoff's book. 
Uh, I'm reading Flair's book, so I don't know that he talks about it, but I assume he will. Mm -hmm. They both talk about it in different episodes of their podcast, and there is a great oral history that you can read about it in Sports Illustrated, which I know is available on their website. So you can just do Sports Illustrated WCW North Korea, and I'm sure you'll find that article. Um, Anyway, on that card, All Japan Women's stars Bull Nakano and Akira Hakuto defeated Manami Toyota, who is AJW's biggest star, and Mariko Yoshida. Uh, so WCW was putting together World War III, and they realized that they needed something that could fill time since just about everyone in their roster is going to be on the Battle Royal. Yeah. So every match is, is going to have guys who are pulling double duty. Mm-hmm. So they need something that can eat up some time on the show. And since the All Japan women's match at the North Korea uh, event had impressed them so much, they contacted AJW, uh, to invite those same four stars back for another WCW match. This put AJW in a predicament as WWF had also requested six AJW stars to participate in a match at Survivor Series, which <laughs> took place on November 19th, wow. one week earlier than World War Three. Neither organization was likely to want the same women to appear one week apart on each program. Understandable. And WCW had specifically requested Nakano, uh, as did WWF. She was essentially the one that both of them wanted the most. Yeah. WCW, because they had seen her work in North Korea and they were really impressed with her. WWF, because she had already worked a program in their organization uh, with against the women's champion Alundra Blaze throughout much of 1994 and early 1995. Yeah, and she's a former WWF women's champion, right. too. Yep. So there's a lot of political wrangling on all sides, um, including a brief time where they even talked about Bull Nakano appearing in WCW, but being forced to use a different name out of deference to WWF. But the ultimate shakeout is that uh, WWF gets six All Japan stars and they get to announce their match with these women a week earlier than WCW. But WCW gets Bull Nakano, who is ultimately the star that both of them want the most. Neither side gets Manami Toyota, who is AJW's best worker, though. Oh, that is a mouthful. <laughs> I w- and I would say WCW got the better of the deal. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, although the Survivor Series 95 match with uh, the women that they get, and I can't remember all of them except for the Jumping Bomb Angels or two of them, it actually is a pretty good match. And as mm-hmm. far as 1995 WWF women's wrestling goes, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> incredible. Because Bull Nakano and Alundra Blaze were about the only good things going. Other than that, it was really just Bertha Faye, who yeah. was garbage. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean... I, when I say that about a male wrestler, I don't feel bad. But as soon as I said about her, I was like, oh, that feels really bad. I do not like the feeling of saying that. Uh, so as I said, we get we get different baby faces in this match than the collision in Korea. Uh-huh. Uh, the two that we see here are Cutie Suzuki and Mayumi Ozaki. Uh, after they enter, Sonny Ono comes out. He is the heel manager, but that's only in WCW. He does not appear in any uh, All Japan Women shows over in Japan or anything. Right. He's just, as we've said before, he's just an American guy who in WCW uses a horribly racist Japanese accent <laughs> to the point where you're like, dude, you are actually Japanese. Right. What the fuck are you doing with this accent? Jesus. Bull Nakano and Akira Hakuto come out, and one extremely uh, off-putting thing is the outfit that Hakuto wears. Yeah. I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, do you want to describe that to the, the listeners? Uh, 
Is it describable? I I don't know. It's like a like a a bright pink like monkey outfit or yeah, it's like a bright pink fuzzy bathrobe. Yeah, but it also the fuzziness goes like all the way up her neck and around the back of her head, and then meets up with this really off-putting Japanese mask. Right. It's it's so bizarre and it's actually quite scary. I like mm-hmm. I don't want to oversell it or anything, but it's yeah. it's just I don't like it. I don't like looking at it. Yeah. Uh, Nakano is a big bull of a lady who has the front half of her hair standing straight up on end. She also wears blue lipstick and has sort of uh, uh, Luna Vachon style like fake veins drawn on her face with makeup. Yeah, she ha- she has a very good interesting look. She does. Absolutely. I, I like Bull Nakano mm-hmm. a lot, as we'll talk about here. We learn uh, that Ono has officially been thrown off of WCW Pro. I miss that. <laughs> Hakuto starts off by trying to surprise uh, the baby faces, but she gets eaten, uh, she gets hit by a double clothesline. They whip her off the ropes, but Bull Nakano grabs them both from the outside, and Hakuto goes to work with uh, kicks and a choke on Ozaki. Hakuto gets uh, the top rope, gets on the top rope, and dangles Ozaki just kind of by her neck. Well, Nakano just punches her. Yeah, it's pretty vicious looking. And right. Bobby puts over the dedication of Japanese wrestlers. Mm-hmm. When they talk about the Japanese wrestlers, there's a lot of casual racism thrown in here and there. Yeah, but the one stereotype I guess you could take as a positive is he puts over just these people live, eat, breathe wrestling mm-hmm. at all. You know, just constantly. Yeah, I I just wanted to mention since. We're just starting off this match that uh, when it comes to just like particular names as far as like who's a heel, who's a face. Yeah. You could tell between like Cutie Suzuki and Bull Nakano as far as like, well, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Oh my God. I wish I could remember her last name and any fans of the show who are big Japanese wrestling fans are probably mad at me. But uh, Bull Nakano's uh, trainer mm-hmm. was another large woman. And I forget her last name, so let's just say it's Toyota. Okay. Her first name was Dump. Dump Toyota. <laughs> just maybe the greatest wrestling name I've ever heard. And if you look her up, I believe her Wikipedia uh, article picture of her has, like, she's just wearing swastikas on part of her wrestling gear. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I definitely am going to have to hit YouTube up for some Dump Toyota matches. <laughs> Nakano uh, screams a lot and tosses Ozaki around by the hair. Bischoff tells, says something like, just look at Bull's face. Mm-hmm. And Bobby goes, oh, she's attractive in a kind of an oriental way. <laughs> so, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Nakano chokes Ozaki and Hakuto jumps off the top rope and shoves her head down in the mat. As Bischoff informs us that Hakuto, uh, the heel who came out in the fuzzy pink yeah i'll try to occasionally remind people who they are because yeah. other than bull nakano it's it's easy to kind of get confused right uh hakudo is married to the current united states champion kensuke sasaki uh which is true and that was a wedding that took place just about a month ago and was attended by a ton of japanese celebrities that was actually like a major media event over in japan was that <laughs> wedding bull hits a really cool standing splash on ozaki where she stands with her legs spread apart and both her arms spread apart, like above her. And she's kind of in like a star shape and she just screams and falls dead weight straight forward. <laughs> it's one of the coolest looking little standing splashes I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and she goes for the pin on Ozaki, but cutie Suzuki breaks it up. Ozaki then gets thrown by the hair into her corner 
And Suzuki, I noticed, she just comes in without a tag. And if you watch this match, this happens constantly. Yeah. And I'm guessing that this just must be the standard in All Japan Women Wrestling. And the ref has just been told to roll with it and let them handle the tags in and out as they see fit. Because he does not attempt to enforce a tag at, at all. And it's not that they never tag. Sometimes they do. It's just that if they don't, it's not treated as a big deal whatsoever. Yeah. It, it, maybe it's just if it's more convenient for them to just get into the ring without like trying to reach over. Especially like women's wrestlers are going to be shorter. So it's hard right. for them to like reach over the top rope. And this is a really fast-paced match, yeah. and tags, the psychology of tags often kind of slow things down, so they might be doing that as a way of, of keeping the pace moving. Also, I think at this point, I realize that the fans are, like, really into it. The fans are super into this match. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because you'd think, especially uh, the reputation that WCW fans have, and at times that's been a fair reputation, as we've seen, Yeah, they're not always into it, especially because so many of them are just in there for free but these people are really into what they're watching and they should be this is it's a barn burner so far yeah suzuki hits a dragon suplex on hakuto for a two count she then comes off the ropes and tries to hit a crossbody, but hakuto catches her in midair and hits a fall away slam she then tags in bull nakano who goes for a diving seated senton uh but suzuki moves out of the way and uh, i have this is where i have in my notes that the crowd is really hot for this match so okay. it's around the same time that you yeah. noticed it the baby faces both stand on Bull Nakano as she's prone on the mat, and they kind of do little baby running steps in place. <laughs> it's, it's, I guess, supposed to be devastating, but it just looks really cute. <laughs> After their little baby steps, they both go to the top rope and jump on Nakano for a double, double stomp for yeah. a two count. Uh, at this point, Bobby Heenan goes for the racist card, whereas Mongo decides to stick with uh, fat shaming and misogyny. That's what's known as the Oriental Heinlich. <laughs> They're trying to do some physical liposuction on that gut. So those are your babyface announcers. <laughs> uh, I also love that Bobby Heenan is basically doing that as a Johnny Carson impression. Yeah. Because he's like, the Oriental Heimlich. <laughs> he's really going. <laughs> those assholes. <laughs> The faces try to suplex Nakano, but she's too big, and she instead suplexes both of them and tags in Hakuto, who hits a top rope splash on uh, both of the baby faces. Mm -hmm. She then gets a somewhat awkward-looking gut-wrench powerbomb on Ozaki, uh, which is the first awkward-looking move in this entire match, really, and it's not even that bad. Yeah, I, I, I made a note there that she was so close to dropping her on the ground. I, I was thought for sure she was just going to give up, but she just powered her back up for the powerbomb. She, there, there was like no surrender on that. And I thought that was really an impressive show of strength. And because she loses the momentum, that's deadlift strength too. That's not, she's not getting helped by her opponent. That's just her actual arm strength. Yeah. Suzuki uh, breaks up the pin following that powerbomb. And uh, Ozaki manages to make it in the corner and tag in Suzuki, who then dives from the top rope, but misses Hakuto. Hakuto hits a very nice Northern light suplex for two. Uh, I would say, I don't know what it is about women and Northern Light suplexes, but the two best Northern Light suplexes would be this one and the pretty famous one on the internet anyway, if you're a super wrestling internet dork, that Alicia Fox does. 
<laughs> that like if you if you go to YouTube and you type in Northern Light Suplex, the top match is one that says like the best Northern Light Suplex of all time, and it's yeah. Alicia Fox. <laughs> Hakudo uh, tags in Bull and Cutie Suzuki attempts a sunset flip, but Nakano instead hits a brutal-looking seated senton. Yeah. It Ouch. is... Oh, <laughs> I cannot imagine taking that. Ozaki comes in and breaks up the pin, so Bull heads to the top rope, uh, but both babyfaces dropkick her all the way off the top rope out to the floor. They then kind of just stay up on the top rope, playing to the crowd, like, instead of turning around and dealing with Akudo. They just right. look at the crowd and say, hey, we pushed Bull Nakano out. Aren't we great? Yeah. And uh, so, of course, Akudo sneaks up behind him and pushes them both down to the floor. Bull then holds them while Hakudo flips off the top rope, but the faces escape and Hakudo nails Bull, who goes down hard and immediately starts holding her knee and not in an I'm selling this move kind of way, but in a oh, shit, my knee kind of way. <laughs> right. Um. And according to Meltzer, I wouldn't know this on my own, but both her knees were pretty fucked by this time already. Uh-huh. And she actually retires not too far from here. I think she actually has a few more WCW appearances that we'll see. Um, but by, like, 97, she's a pro golfer. And she dropped, like, 100 pounds. If you look at pictures of Bull Nakano now, she she's like a tiny little petite Japanese woman. It's insane. Huh. Anyway... On this night, her knees are pretty fucked up, and you can see that she is in a lot of pain. Uh, just standing is takes a lot of work, and she needs to get back in the ring, and both baby faces have to, like, obviously help her just get back up on the match so she can roll back in the ring. The baby faces uh, get her in the ring, as I mentioned, then they charge her, but she manages to stay on her feet just long enough to clothesline them, and then she literally crawls over into the heel corner and just lays there <laughs> and not like a selling laser but just right. lays there in like a crumpled sad heap of like fuck my knee <laughs> it it looks really bad i i it's good to know that after this she's not seriously hurt because it appears if you're just watching this that she is pretty fucked up yeah hakudo then comes off the top rope drop kicks both faces and nails cutie suzuki with a northern lights bomb for the victory Whew, that was a hot match. What did you think? It was a really good match. I Initially, I was going to be, I felt disappointed that they weren't giving this time to someone that's in WCW, but yeah. it, they just did They just did such a good job, kept it exciting, and I, I'm still like shocked that fans were into it. Right. I, I, w- I wouldn't expect, since it's like women's wrestling in 95 wasn't really popular, mm-hmm. and it's also, it's it's people from a different promotion who they don't know it had all and and frankly people from another country with yeah. weird names you know like yes yeah. it's, it's a whole different thing for someone to try to connect to yeah it had all the ingredients for people just not caring but instead they just were really into it and anytime the crowd's into it, it just makes a match better what's amazing too is uh all those moves that i just read off all that action that takes place in five and a half minutes yeah that's how long this match is yeah. they jam so much into this match. Uh-huh. It never stops moving. It's a really, really fantastic match. I'm not sure how it might have come across on the podcast because if I'm just saying some four Japanese women's names that you've never heard of before over and over again, it might be hard to follow in an audio format. Right. Uh, so if you have the network, definitely. I don't know that I'd recommend watching this entire episode as, and we'll kind of keep talking about it. <laughs> um, but I would definitely watch this match or... Probably you might even be better served to watch the fall brawl, or excuse me, the World War Three match because that's a little longer 
than mm-hmm. this Nitro match and is also good. It's it's probably the best match on World War Three. Maybe oh. Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page, but if I mean it's it's between those two, definitely. Yeah. Not that that's saying much. The the wrestling quality on World War Three was atrocious. <laughs> and and everything else, I mean, up to the battle royal, it's like their matches we've seen more than a few times. Right. So getting the women's wrestlers in there and having an exciting bout, it's like it's a breath of fresh air for that three hours. Yeah, you know, you mentioned earlier that the only women we really see are Diamond Doll, and she's only, this is, I think, her second appearance. Yeah. And Sherry's been on maybe three times. Uh-huh. This is the first time women have wrestled yeah. in any match that we've seen. And it's a hell of a way to start off women's wrestling on Nitro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it can only go up from here. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I can't wait to see what things are coming. <laughs> Bischoff tells us that after the commercial, we're going to get Hogan versus Hugh Morris and Mongo howls again. <laughs> so like uh, I predicted last week, that looks like it's going to be a reoccurring bit from Mongo. <laughs> we get a commercial and a promo for Saturday night uh, where Bischoff, I, this isn't that funny, but he almost calls the American males the American ales. <laughs> I just, I don't know. <laughs> it's not that funny. Probably, probably should just cut this bit out. <laughs> okay. Out comes Hugh Morris, who we saw uh, only briefly beating down Hogan and Sting last week. Bill DeMott plays the part of Hugh Morris, and he was trained by WWWF jobber to the stars Johnny Rods. He has wrestled in Puerto Rico, Japan, and also ECW under the name Crash the Terminator. And unlike some of the other guys who have been brought in, he's actually been having some pretty good success. These are small promotions. Uh, a lot of them, but he's won world championships in several of them that he's worked in. Sullivan saw him work somewhere and was impressed enough to urge WCW to sign him. Uh, He worked some dark matches as the Man of Question and the Laughing Man, which are definitely dumb names, but they're both so much better than Hugh Morris. Right, yes. Uh, And and, uh, it's Terry Taylor who is credited with coming up with the Hugh Morris name. So fuck you, Red Rooster. (laughs) Fuck you. It's like he's still bitter about the Red Rooster. He's (laughs) punishing others. Yeah, he's trying to give other people worse gimmicks so they'll be remembered. As stated last week, uh, Hugh Morris was added to the Dungeon of Doom on Saturday night episode uh, several weeks ago. He comes out and his gimmick is sort of he will laugh and giggle before suddenly looking very angry and violent. Mm -hmm. So we get the idea that this is sort of a bipolar, uh, angry man. But it kind of comes across like a the heel Doink, except for he's not a clown. Yeah. But Doink basically did the exact same shtick. Right. And I think it's important to note that, uh, at least in my opinion, that he does his character really well. Like his, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Like his, because they could put some meathead out there trying to give out different expressions. It just looks weird. Mm-hmm. But he seems like he understands like the psychology of what the character is supposed to be. And he just pulls it off very well. Despite the fact his name is Hugh Morris. <laughs> Some idiot fan has a sign that says Hulk Hogan is the real champ. And uh, I also suspect that this is fake, even though the the drawing looks actually like hand done this time. I mean, once you get into a conspiracy, it's just <laughs> either way. This guy is a moron for holding up a sign <laughs> like Hulk Hogan is a victim of anything. <laughs> Hulk Hogan is the real champ. That's how is Hogan the real champ? Because he didn't get eliminated. Uh, Macho Man didn't get eliminated. Right. There's no. There's no way that Hogan has more of a claim 
than Macho Man does. I, if anything, they should get in the ring with the two of them and try to throw each other off the top rope. Okay. That would be the only way to yeah. settle it, I guess. And I just don't understand how a fan really wants Hogan to be champ again because he was just champion for like 18 months. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he was champion for such a long time. You would think that people were would be excited about anyone else being champion for a while. Well, not this rube. <laughs> Morris uh, starts off the match by locking on a side headlock and he pushes Hogan off the ropes. These guys appear to be running in slow motion as Hogan knocks Morris down with the worst looking shoulder block I believe I've ever seen. Um, also, I wanted to note that when he was coming down to the ring, uh, Hulk Hogan, this is the first time he's on Nitro when he's back in the red and yellow. Uh, the fans don't seem like they give two fucks about that. Yep. And also, I just thought that like, when he's in red and yellow without the mustache, it was just a weird look. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, without the mustache at all is a weird look, but yeah. especially in the red and yellow. Yeah. After that shitty shoulder block, they go for a test of strength. But Hogan, the baby face who has forsaken the dark side, kicks Morris in the gut and slaps on a hammerlock. <laughs> so it looks like they're going to do a test of strength. But no, Hogan was just fooling him. Right. And he kicks him right in the stomach. Yeah. Uh, he, they then work that hammerlock rest hold for quite a while, despite the fact that they have done nothing in the match so far. Yeah. It's, it's pretty shitty. I don't know. I don't know if they're just like, if they're just so like spent from the night before that they're like just going through the motions. It certainly seems like that. Uh, Morris takes control of the match with some punches and a, a faint Hogan chant starts up mm-hmm. and Bischoff acts like it's. Thousands of people screaming <laughs> Hogan's right. name. But, I mean, they are chanting for Hogan. I, yeah. I will admit that. Morris misses an elbow drop, and Hulk gets some momentum with a clothesline and some punches. Randy Anderson warns uh, the Hulkster about using a closed fist. So Hogan's response is biting Morris in the face in plain <laughs> view of the referee. So he is healing it up in this fucking match, and nobody gives a shit. This is the classic Hogan that we've alluded to in the past. Yeah. Babyface character wrestles like a heel. Hogan whips Morris into the corner, and Hugh, uh, as he gets whipped in the corner, he steps up to the second turnbuckle, jumps off, and spins around for a cool-looking flying clothesline. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember seeing anyone else ever do that move, and it was really... Especially for him, who he's a big guy. Yeah, it's a it's an impressive looking move. It's it's the one solid move of this match that yeah. I really liked. After uh, hitting Hogan with a scoop slam, he ends heads to the top for a moonsault. And actually, I shouldn't say that other one was the most impressive or, or the only impressive mm-hmm. because a guy this big hitting a nice looking moonsault. Yeah, it doesn't connect perfectly. But it's not sloppy. It's not like Vader where like, yeah, you're doing it, but I don't know. Right. It's a pretty good moonsault. It's just yeah. his aim is a little bit off. I, and I'm, they didn't say anything, so I'm not sure if this is, uh, if it's considered his finishing move yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it is it going forward? Yeah, because the moonsault ends up being called the no laughing matter. Uh-huh. Um, but... The impression I got at this point is that wasn't his finisher. Cause so, of, his yeah, his Nitro debut is Hogan kicking out of what becomes his finisher. Right. <laughs> that, that's why I made a note is that Hogan, basically, he no-sells his finishing move. Yeah, it's the point where he starts hulking up. Yeah. He, of course, hits the punches, the big boot, and oh. the leg drop for the victory. This was such a, like, perfunctory 
going through the motions, as you said, yeah. by the numbers Hogan match. It uh-huh. was like it was as if it was scheduled and there was nothing they could do to get out of it. So we will go give them the bare minimum of what they expect from a Hulk Hogan match. Right. And and also at this three count, I mean, uh, if this was during the time of instant replay, yeah, I am pretty sure that Hogan was not on him for the three. Because oh, he stands, he stands up so quickly. <laughs> I'm like, if you slow that down, I, there's no way he was covering him the whole time. Well, that would make sense that he gets out of there so quickly because this whole match is wrestled as if Hogan left the car running. <laughs> right. You know, he ran in. He's like, "All right, dude, I got 15 minutes on the meter, brother." <laughs> Someone's gassing up the the jet. There were some quiet uh, Hogan chants, but overall, I feel like the crowd was not into this match, and neither was Hulk Hogan. Right. After a commercial, uh, Mean Gene is in the entranceway, and he welcomes Macho Man to the show, our new WCW heavyweight champion. Whom he refers to as the WCW world heavyweight champion of the world. (laughs) Gene congratulates Savage and holds out his hand to shake Macho's, but Randy doesn't see it. So Gene just stands there like a goof with his hand held out (laughs) for like a few minutes. And then, not a few minutes, that would be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) For about 10 (laughs) seconds. And then he finally just grabs Macho Man's hand. And Macho Man has no idea why Gene is suddenly (laughs) grabbing his hand. So at first he reacts kind of angry and confused. But then when he gets it, he's just going for a handshake. They have an awkward looking handshake. (laughs) Macho Man says that he is happy to be the champ. And he doesn't care if it's for a day Mm -hmm. or for forever in a day. (laughs) Mean Gene says there is a cloud of controversy hanging over his championship. there's that word again. Yeah, because we haven't heard that enough. Uh, So they decide to go to some footage to check out uh, the World War III, what happened, so Macho can see it. And uh, let's go to an audio clip of what happens from that point. At the risk of sounding negative, Macho Man Randy Savage... You hold that title at this very moment, but without a cloud of controversy hanging over it, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, I've heard about that dark cloud, and Hulk Hogan is a friend of mine. But if he's got a problem, let's settle it right now. Wait a minute. Let me tell you something, brother friend. The whole world saw, including you, Mean Gene, that in World War III, there were two guys that didn't get thrown over the top rope, brother. Everybody saw that Hulk Hogan was still standing. And in case you haven't noticed, Macho Man, on the front of the WCW Heavyweight title, it says Hulk Hogan, brother. I'm planning on getting that changed, you know what I mean, brother? Well, let me tell you something, Macho. I know you were taking care of people on one side, and I was taking care of people on the other. But brothers, let's roll that piece of videotape so the macho man can see it. And if I'm right, and you see what I saw, let's climb in that ring, brother. There it is right there, brother. You and I are on one side, macho, fighting for the maniacs. I saw my chance to even the score. I dumped him over the top rope, brother. Next thing, the Giants gonna pull me out right under the bottom, brother. Hey! What's going on out there? Apparently we've got a malfunction. Wait, whoa, whoa. That ain't gonna go here, brother. Macho man, come here. Come here. Something. Do that tape up. Again. A picture's worth a thousand words, but I didn't see nothing. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, 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 no. Oh,
berserk. I don't know who's going to What's wrong him? with him? Gene Okerlund running for his life. Cameraman falling down everywhere. The World Heavyweight Champion Randy Savage chokeslam on a concrete floor. And this monster. Oh, look at this. Stinger. 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 Stinger's up. Hogan's up. Hogan's getting up. Oh, look at this. The giant. Has there got you go, Hulk. Take care of his business. Oh, oh, see. oh my goodness. Beautiful. Cross the shoulder blades. And this mountain of a man, this monster. Look, he's dead at the chair. Oh. That's the way to do business. Yeah, that's the way Hogan does business. Oh, did business. you see that? Hulk Hogan just elbowed the referee. That'll cost him. That could cost him dearly. And severely. Not a good moment. And I can tell you what, the rage that Hulk Hogan is feeling right now, I don't think he knows who he knows who he hit. I don't think he cares. Hogan has lost it. He's beside himself. So to go over what you just heard, uh, they're watching the footage and right before the relevant portion, the footage just kind of goes to static. Not sure if this is supposed to be a convenient technical glitch or the nefarious work of some unknown heel. Uh, but at that point, the giant attacks both men. He chokeslams Macho Man on the concrete and fights Hogan down to the ring. He's going to attack Hogan, but Sting makes the save, uh, distracting the giant so Hogan can make a series of about 20 increasingly weak chair shots. Right. Like, the first couple across Giant's back are kind of laid in there. Yeah. But after that, it's just like tap, tapity yeah. tap on the forehead. Right. They're so weak. Uh, at one point, Randy Anderson tries to stop the Hulkster, but Hogan just elbows him right in the face right. <laughs> and knocks him out. Uh, he keeps nailing Ma uh, Giant all the way to the back. Macho Man is laid out hurt. We then see Hogan and Sting kind of huddling over the Macho Man's body. And Hogan hilariously just stops checking if his friend is okay and gips up and kind of hypes the crowd like, didn't I really kick the Giant's ass, everybody? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Macho Man, his best friend, is laying there like dead. His brother friend. Bischoff tries to claim that Hulk was letting the crowd know that Macho Man is okay, but right. that is clearly not what was happening, right. especially because Macho Man is not okay. So that makes it makes no sense. Bischoff is just trying to cover for Hogan's outrageous inability to keep any semblance of character <laughs> beyond just, I'm Hulk Hogan, cheer for me, cheer for me, cheer for me. Right. Well, uh, did, did you have any thoughts on this little segment here? This this whole segment is just atrocious. It, I mean, from the very beginning, it it goes to every length to basically sabotage Randy Savage's title. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, initially, and I think it's just the way that they booked it is that the fans aren't excited to see him as champion. Right. Um, they said beforehand that the, that Hogan and Savage were going to talk about it with the footage but then now it's he's being surprised by hogan showing up i will say this uh as someone who doesn't fully know where the storyline is going you know i have an idea of knowing how early 96 wcw plays out mm -hmm. but i guess i should i i don't exactly know how this all plays out but the only way that any of this really makes sense is if they're recreating the mega powers exploding Right. And Macho Man is going to turn heel. Yeah. That's the only way to justify the way that he lost, the way Hogan made it all about him, 
the way that he is an afterthought on Nitro the next night. Sure. The only way to justify any of that mm-hmm. is if they're just doing the Mega Powers exploding again. And I hope they're not because the Mega Powers exploded once. It was incredible. Yeah. You can't fucking do it again. Yeah. And they just tried to do WrestleMania 3 again mm-hmm. with Hogan versus the Giant. So we're just skipping ahead and we're going to do WrestleMania 5 again. And then I guess for the next pay-per-view, you bring Jim Helwig in and you just do six and just, or just, he fights the renegade <laughs> and just so on down the line, just trying. Yeah. It's so bullshit. It's yeah. so bullshit. And this other thing, what, how do that's the sabotage footage is stupid Yes, because it's from a pay-per-view that was just the day before. And you would assume that a lot of the people watching watch the pay-per-view. Right. Uh, I mean, unless unless they are assuming the majority of their Nitro watchers don't order their pay-per-views, it really it's it's goofy. It doesn't make any sense as to why you sabotage. If you're Macho Man and you're in this match uh, at a pay-per-view and you have a chance to win your first WCW championship, don't you call Elizabeth or I'm not sure if she if they're divorced yet or whoever he's with or his or his mom or. Lanny Poffo or whoever um, and say, hey, could you tape World War Three for me? Because I might win the championship and I boy, I'd really like to have that yes. in my memory bank. <laughs> right. You know, how does he have no other access to see what possibly yeah. happened? And even if he saw that Hogan wasn't eliminated, what does that do? Is he supposed to hand the belt over to Hogan? Right. What is what is knowing that Hogan didn't get eliminated? What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, if Hogan wants to say I was eliminated, I should be number one contender. He should just say to Macho. Will you give me a title shot at Starcade? Right. Macho Man will probably say yes. I don't I don't understand why the conflict exists yeah. over how Hogan was eliminated because we've been told over and over and over again that there's no going back on Macho Man being the champion. That's yeah. settled. There's no controversy there. So if there's no controversy over that, who gives a shit how Hogan was eliminated or not? Just determine if he gets a title shot or not. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. It's fucking dumb. I'm yeah. mad. I'm <laughs> mad at this Nitro, Dave. <laughs> and then and then not only that, so Giant comes out, he choke slams Savage, the world champion who just won the title the day before. Yeah. And he he basically falls off the face of the planet for five minutes. Yeah. Where where we rehash this giant Hogan thing, which we weren't supposed to be like in excited about because we we're looking at Savage and Hogan. Yeah. But then they just move it over here and it's just Everything about this segment, it, it doesn't do anyone any good. It just does Randy Savage harm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and and like, Sting comes out. Sting doesn't. He like basically runs by Savage. Yeah, <laughs> he's once again Hogan's bitch boy. He's just there to help out Hogan, and that completely defines his character. You know, you took the United States title off Sting, so let's get him mixed up in the main event here a little bit. You know? Yeah. It's the whole segment is terrible. The more we talk about it, the more I realize how bad it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, the one thing I did like, cause uh, Eric, Eric Bischoff was, uh, uh, Oh God, there's another fucking stupid thing. Um, <laughs> because I was saying last week about how Eric Bischoff likes to insinuate things that don't happen. Right. Uh, he was wondering why sting called Hogan off the giant. Right. Yeah. But he, he, hit him, he hit him be... with a chair, like, 50 times. He hit him plenty of times. Yeah, he called him off because he's a decent fucking human <laughs> being, Bischoff. <laughs> right. And, and during this time, also, Mongo McMichael suggests that Savage could die from this attack. Yeah. Yeah. 
Jesus Christ. He actually will do that later in the show again, and we'll talk about it when we get there. But, oh, God, we've got to move on. You, For the sake of my sanity do. and my blood pressure. <laughs> right. After a commercial break, Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman come out, and they will be taking on the team of Sting and Luger. Pillman's uh, still being billed, like, on his Chiron and everything, is Flying Brian. And I feel like they should change that, because that is a babyface name. Right. No, yeah. I agree. Uh, so I, I hope that doesn't last too much longer. Sting comes out alone, and they tease that Luger may not show that maybe he's just going to leave Sting high and dry. But after a few seconds, he's out. He's going to help. He's he's oh. in on the match. Yeah. Uh, after a few seconds, Luger comes out, and then a few seconds after that, Luger's theme music starts. <laughs> this match starts hot with a, a few small moves by Anderson before he hits his signature spinebuster pretty early in the match for for that move. Uh, but Luger breaks up the pin immediately. Sting then whips Arn into the ropes and Luger cheap shots him, which kind of mirrors a spot that they had done immediately before where Sting was in the uh, heel corner and got a cheap shot from Pillman. Mm -hmm. Sting uh, follows this up with a pretty shitty looking bulldog and then a shitty, a <laughs> shitty bulldog on Arn and then a shitty bulldog on Pillman. So I really, I, this is a pet personal pet peeve. I hate lazy bulldogs yeah. where you've just got your hand on the back of the guy's head loosely. Fucking Chris Jericho style. I was about to say. Oh, he's the worst. <laughs> um, I don't know if, if we got to this point yet because I kind of was uh, a little in and out on this match personally. Yeah. Um, but there was a sequence in which uh, Luger kicks Arn and then pokes Brian Thil Pillman in the eye. He gives him a thumb in the eye. Oh, I, I don't know. It's like uh, Pil Pillman's on the apron, and, and Arn Anderson's like near him, and Luger does like a one-two, but it's like kick, thumb in the eye. <laughs> and it, the sequence is just was like really funny to me. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So after the shitty Bulldogs, all four men are in the ring, and the baby faces hit press slams. Mm -hmm. And Sting holds his press slam way longer than Luger, and it's the one time I think I've seen Sting hot dog a little bit to put himself over <laughs> like they've got this spot they planned with simultaneous press slams but sting is like i'm just gonna hold this guy up another extra five seconds to show how much stronger i am <laughs> speaking of which uh i i don't know if this is if this is a development or if i just took a, a notice to it but lex luger looks a little bit bigger now oh yeah he since he came in he's been putting on muscle yeah now that he's not in post-steroid trial WWF, uh, <laughs> he's got, shall we say, opportunities that he didn't have before. The horsemen regroup on the outside uh, where Arn <laughs> like, tries to call for timeout, which I always love in a wrestling match. Uh, Pillman just yells at the crowd, showing like a little evolution towards that uh, crazy character that he's, he's developing. Yeah. Mongo uh, wonders that how Savage is recovering from that choke slam on the concrete and says he doesn't know if Macho is alive or dead. <laughs> if you don't know and you think there's a chance that he might be dead, fucking go find out, Mongo, you heartless bastard. <laughs> if you were watching, if you were commentating on a football game uh -huh. uh, and a guy got carted off and you weren't sure that he was dead, it yeah. just seems like a little heartless to A, not try to find out and B call attention to that fact during the remaining sporting contest. Right. I mean, the last time we had someone worry about the death of a wrestler was uh, when Heenan was worried about the giant 
and he practically stopped that pay-per-view oh, that's right. because he was so distressed <laughs> and he was saying how he's going to be on his knees begging for information. Whereas Mago's like, well, you know, hopefully he's alive. <laughs> Arn gets back in the ring and he wants Luger. Uh, so Sting obliges, tanging game Luger. Luger and Arn brawl back and forth until Luger shoves Arn into Pillman, uh, which flings Flying Brian from the apron neck first onto the guardrail. Luger uh, then nails Arn with the loaded forearm, mm-hmm. which we haven't, we don't always see that often from Luger, but Bobby reminds us uh, that the reason for this move is that Luger has a steel plate in his arm, yep. which is true uh, from a motorcycle accident. I love the concept that you could hit someone with that steel plate and it would hurt more than just hitting them with your arm. Right. Um, but it is referring to an actual steel plate in his arm. Luger tags in Sting, who hits a stinger splash on Arn. He then gets Arn in the Scorpion Deathlock, uh, but Pillman heads up to the top rope. Luger pushes Pillman off, but he does it straight into Sting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that breaks up the Scorpion Deathlock, and the announcers then start the speculation, did he do it on purpose? Right. Is, is Luger, you know... Because the Luger character to this point, like, he's all over the fucking map. Yeah. Uh, so who knows if he's face or heel who knows what the deal is with sting i i can't figure out what's going on with either of these characters because luger's all over the map but sting's attitude seems to be i don't know why everyone's upset about me being friends with luger he doesn't understand why hogan and macho would have a problem with with his this friendship even though he's seen multiple occasions where luger and a cadre of evil villains (laughs) like cartoonish supernatural villains right have come out and beat them up in the middle of their matches. <laughs> Sting sees this and yeah. then he's still best buds with Luger and acts like, I don't get why Hulk has a problem. Yeah. It's such a, it's bizarre. And and it makes it appear as though if it's like, if the dungeon doom isn't there, they don't exist. Yeah. Yes. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Because anytime he's hanging out with Luger, if, if it's Sting and Luger together, it's almost guaranteed the dungeon doom aren't going to show up. Right. And Luger will more or less, while they're together, act like a babyface. Right. Uh, so while the announcers speculate on Luger's motivations, I, I kind of think it's funny because you if you try to look at Luger's face and read which way he's leaning, if he's a heel or a face, you can't tell. But it's because he's so dumb that his <laughs> facial expression is always a complete blank canvas. <laughs> you could read whatever you want onto the face of Lex Luger. <laughs> right. That man is a calm, serene lake at <laughs> all times. The heels take their turn uh, beating up on the injured Sting. Sting finally fights his way back into the match, uh, but Arn hits him with an inverted atomic drop. Sting slowly fights his way back to the babyface corner, but Lex isn't there to take the tag because he's been lured away from the corner by Brian Pillman, who kind of keeps telling Luger to punch him in the face and then taking three steps back. And Luger just slowly follows him like a cat chasing a laser pointer or something. (laughs) And and this is another thing where the announcers suggest that, like, it's because he's not good friends with Sting or something like that. There's so many instances where these – they're they're micro-analyzing everything that they do – it's a, it's super annoying because like if you take away the announcer's analysis of it, everything you, you can kind of figure out why things are going on. But mm-hmm. once the announcers are like, well, I think there's this motive or that motive, then it just makes it more confusing. 
The heels keep double-teaming Sting, and Luger finally just comes in and starts beating them both up. Sting manages a pretty out-of-nowhere pin on Pillman. Uh, so Luger doesn't turn heel. He doesn't turn out to be a bad friend. He eventually just comes in and starts kicking the heel's ass. As soon as Sting pins Pillman, Ric Flair sprints out yeah. to ringside and starts attacking Luger. Yeah, I'd, it, it feels like there was a mix-up on that finish. He's, yeah, he is running so fast. Yeah. Flair is wearing a uh, like khakis and a much too large grayish-blue sweater, which to <laughs> me looked like he wears it at home, like usually with no pants on, and he's just <laughs> drinking tea and reading like Emily Dickinson on a rainy Sunday morning. It's a really, for the nature boy, it's a bizarre sweater to be wearing. The horsemen destroy the baby faces, and Flair uh, nails Nick Patrick for no good reason other than this is just not a night to be a referee. Hogan elbowed the shit out of Randy Anderson, and Flair punches uh, Nick Patrick right in the face. Oh, and also, is this all four members of the Horsemen? Or I, is Chris Benoit Chris not Benoit there? Chris Benoit is absent. And he is not mentioned as being a member or his absence. That, yeah, that's a good point. Since he's debuted, have we seen all four together on Nitro? I don't think so. I don't think so either. No, I the think only time we've seen all four together would be uh, World War Three in the Battle Royal. All four men are in that. Yeah. Hogan comes out and makes the save. Uh, he gets Pillman and Arn out of the ring before working over Flair. The heels retreat, and Hogan... Uh, so now the babyfaces are in the ring, or Sting and Hogan are in the ring, and whatever Lex Luger is in, is, is in the ring as well. <laughs> Hogan goes to punch Luger, but is prevented from doing so by Sting. Luger just decides to fuck off and jumps out of the ring and leave, while Sting and, Hargu uh, Sting and Hogan argue about it, and eventually... Uh, before we go to commercial, they hug. They're just, okay, fine. We, You know what? Agree to disagree. Let's hug it out, bro. Right. <laughs> One thing I do like about Hogan is when he suggests he's going to hit someone but doesn't do it, it's so – he pantomimes it so over the top. Oh, he like, always <laughs> plays to that back row, baby. Yeah. And, and for one thing, it's like he comes down to help whether he, it's he's helping Sting and Luger, and then he decides at the last second, I'm just gonna start wailing on Lex Luger, <laughs> and the fact that Sting, who was just teaming with him, stops him, angers Hulk Hogan, right? <laughs> and then they 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 just go back and forth about something, and then they like you said, they're like, oh okay, I can see why you think that. Yeah. Oh well, you've made your point. <laughs> Uh, coming back from commercial, we are at the announcer's desk and uh, Bischoff tells us that he can't get an update on Macho Man. And apparently we won't be able to get an update on Macho Man until Saturday night. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense because websites aren't really a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe plug the hotline. It just seems insane. to. We've literally been saying this guy may be alive or dead. And now we're saying we still have no idea, and yeah. you can't find out until fucking Saturday. Right. It's Monday night right if now. That's so far away. If he's dead, the funeral already <laughs> passed by then. <laughs> Bischoff tells us that we have to admire Macho Man as he won the title with one bad arm, which is kind of funny since Hogan uh, burned a copy of the Wrestling Observer and told us that Macho <laughs> Man has no injury. Uh, so apparently <laughs> they can't I, get their story straight on that one. I, I like the sabotage idea that he he knows that Savage is injured. Yeah. He says he's not injured. Yeah. And he burns the evidence. 
<laughs> You'll never know the truth. As the show closes, Bischoff promises us a very special announcement pertaining to Starcade, which we will get on Saturday night. And Bobby, uh, in a little tease for what that announcement is going to be, waves a Japanese flag. The same flag we mentioned earlier that he's been waving all night. Mm, good prop use. Okay, so my MVP of the night, uh, I, I sang her high praises earlier. It was definitely Bull Nakano. I thought she was, uh, in a match that had three, or excuse me, four good workers who I've never seen before, um, she was the star. And she fought through that knee injury and having bad knees before that. That standing splash that she hit was incredible. Uh-huh. Uh, count me as a big Bull Nakano fan after this episode. How about you? Well, uh, for this Nitro, I'm not giving out MVP. Ooh. Uh, instead, I am giving a least valuable player. <laughs> okay. And do you want to guess who gets that award? I'm going to guess it's your MVP from last week, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> no. Ooh. It goes to Randy Savage. Oh. Who, after winning the championship the, the night before, yeah. pretty much everyone devised a plan to make him as much of an afterthought as possible. Your world champion might have had a uh, a fatal injury, and and they basically <laughs> and they basically not only are is it did he basically just get mowed over by the Hogan hype train? Yeah. This whole show, but uh after they went to commercial after his injury, they he disappeared, and they went mm-hmm. right to the next match. I, I can't remember an instance in which someone in such like what should have been a really big moment won a championship, and the next night looked as terrible as possible. So I, I this time for my MVP, I'm selecting especially Savage as especially not MVP. Oh, that is brutal. Brutal. Can Savage come back? I don't know. Uh, my match of the night is definitely going to be the All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. Uh, rather than go through all four of their names, I'll just say the, I don't mean to be racist, but the Japanese women <laughs> were my match of the night by a country mile. Yeah. How about yourself? Well, that's a pretty easy, clean sweep because there's really, I mean, there's really nothing else worth watching again on this um, since this is my first chance, I'll give it a try as far as their names are concerned. That's Kiri Suzuki and Mayumi Ozaki were against Akira Hokuto and Bull Nakano. Sounds pretty right to me. I think it's Hokuto, but oh. I might be wrong on that. Some but, guy is screaming at his iPhone right now. <laughs> These fuckers don't know. <laughs> In our Raw recap, Ahmed Johnson defeated Rad Radford. It was announced that Shawn Michaels was suffering from post-construction. Uh, construction. <laughs> <laughs> it was announced that Shawn Michaels had post-concussion syndrome, uh, but he was doing okay and would come back. Tomoko Watanabe and Aja Kong defeated Alundra Blaze and Kyokyo anyway. So they had their own Japanese <laughs> women match. Uh, it's so weird that they just both companies ended up having Japanese women from the same company come That's- in. Yeah. Although people have always said the highlight of women's wrestling was all Japan in the mid nineties. That is supposedly the height that women's wrestling got to. Although I think uh, current NXT is, is probably giving them a bit of a run for its money. Although now that a lot of their talent is left and they're left with fucking Eva Marie and Dana Brooke, I don't yeah. know how long that's going to last, but going back to 1995 <laughs> brother love uh, made a raw return to interview Bret Hart. Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeated a jobber. 
and The Undertaker defeated King Mo. <laughs> in <laughs> The Undertaker, or not King Mo, Sir Mo. <laughs> the Undertaker defeated Sir Mo. <laughs> wow. He was then supposed to have like another match immediately following that against Yokozuna, but he was attacked uh, prior to the match, or Paul Bearer was attacked prior to the match by King Mabel. Oh. And so we did not get to see The Undertaker uh, have two matches in a row with two <laughs> guys that cannot work whatsoever. <laughs> in our ratings roundup, Nitro won again with a 2.5 to Rots 2.3. Uh, that's the first time in a while that one show has won two weeks in a row. Uh, so Nitro picking up a bit of momentum. People coming in. Typically, one of these shows will win after the night of a pay-per-view WCW stopped that trend last week mm -hmm. by having Hogan versus Sting booked on that show, and they managed to uh, counter WWF's programming this week. So they're on a little bit of a roll, and we'll see how long that continues. And I guess we'll have to see next week as far as uh, what over-the-top expressions that uh, Eric Bischoff uses about Nitro, because he always gets really fired up when he realizes how well they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We will uh, see all that and more next week as we really start in earnest the build to Starcade, WCW's uh, biggest show of the year. I'm looking forward to that, and I hope that you are too. So we will see you next week where the big boys play 20 years of Nitro. That was a nice clothesline from Laughing Boy there. You got to hand it to him. He's a wrestler. <laughs>